my spidey senses tingling. Dulcet tones of Slumbo Slice coming at you. The Paper Cake Podcast, episode 76, y'all. Welcome to the show. Number 76. Papercake.com. It's a website. Uh, we talk about industry news. The books we're reading, and we do a little book club this week. Sandman. We keep our promises. Uh, let's go around the room. By choice. By choice. And introduce. Introduce. Our hosts, you know, this is a, this is, you're tuning in for the first time ever, first podcast ever. You want to know who's talking? You want to get it out of the way, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, to my middle, he's the VP of Paper Keg Merch. He's a family man. Two two boys. To young boys. <laughs> he loves the scotch. Uh, Dale underscore A, thanks for being here. Well, gentlemen, it feels good to be here. I gotta tell you, I'm pretty excited. Uh, thanks for being here. Setting the Twitter on fire is Dale. Uh, to his left, actor. DC historian, uh, black man. Welcome back, Mark Farrington. What it is, people? It's been way too long. Good to hear you. Uh, unpublished writer. Uh, father Officially Both by choice Well, welcome to the show Jonesy loves beer on the Twitter, thank you Thank you so much for having me um, It's good to be back The extended hiatus is officially over We've weathered the storm, the brakes are untapped our foot's back on the gas, and uh, as Optimus would say, we're ready to roll out. Untapping the brakes. Oh, boy, untapping the brakes. <laughs> More like a re-tapping the keg, right? Hey-o. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, we're, we're removing the extended hiatus tag right now, officially. It's official. We back. I'm just so happy to see Mark again. Just look at you. You're a, you're a living legend. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without another episode to step to. Oh, my Lord. Let's end the show. Thanks for coming back, everybody. That's it. That's the end. Back on hiatus. It means it's been too long. 
It's those the side effects of those Negro pills he's been taking. <laughs> oh my God! Nowhere else, folks. We're back with a bang. Oh uh, Lord, what's uh, so? Yeah, we we've been off for a little while. We needed to tap the brakes, but we're back, right? Extend. It was an extended hiatus, just like we said, right, Dale? Yeah, I think uh, you know we had to get our s in order. We couldn't uh, put a date on it, and uh, we worked fervently, feverishly. To uh, get back to business, and we're back. We're here. Yeah, uh, things were figured out. Logistics were involved. Logistics, uh, money was spent. Research was done. Lawyers. Scientists mm-hmm. were involved. Lawyers, yeah. Uh, there were contracts written up, and uh, you know it was all worth it, though. the The red tape has been cut, and uh, we're back. But thank God, not too much has changed since we've been away. Basically, just go watch Ghostbusters 2, and that's the story about how we returned. Yeah, yeah, that actually was written about us. Newsflash. Let's get into some Niaz. Uh, we have our own, we have a Dan Rather, a local Dan Rather, from the awful state of New Jersey, Dale underscore A. What do you have for us? Tonight on the Paper Cake Podcast, uh, news... Takes the world by storm oh, in the God. comics industry. Good no. heavens. No. Let's let's talk about Marvel's next big thing. Please do. All right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Marvel events, comic book events, they're pretty much a staple. They, uh, there is not a time in comics when there is not an event going on. Right, an event that costs you like $10 a month. At, yeah, absolutely. Or Especially more. with uh, or more. you know, dirty bi monthly, bi weekly uh <laughs> tricks, double shipping. The age of Ultron, my God. Uh teased way back in two thousand and what, seven? Felt like two thousand and one to me. Yeah, it was a long time ago. The remember when we did the uh the Hero Wake Age Avengers here on the show as a book club, mm. the big two-page spread of the whiteboard, and oh, yeah. uh, the Tony Stark, you know, had all these events on the uh, on the wall. I do Age of that. Ultron was one of those events in the Mighty Avengers back in aught seven. Mark, you don't look the, excited about this. They drug out the tease too long. I mean, if you remember, they did a. Age of Ultron teaser in the Avengers point one that came out in 2010. I mean, you're cr- sure I like a slow burn, but you know what? Two years is too long to make me wait for a story. But in like you know in comics, that's like 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I my impression is that this was supposed to happen before AVX, but then someone gave the green light to AVX, so then this hit the back burner. I don't know. Maybe it's because Brian Hitch takes so long to draw a comic book. Yeah the uh, the news is they had to they wanted to wait until Hitch had five issues in the can before even soliciting or announcing this book. And it's a, so even now it's not going to come out to twenty fifteen. <laughs> well, they said that this book will ship from March to June. Uh, eleven is it eleven or it's ten issues? It's going to be ten issues, like nine issues, and a, and a tie up or an, uh, an epilogue. So that's at least that's like two and a half issues a month, guys. Three ninety nine. Is it? Was it twelve? Twelve weeks and how many issues? Ten issues. Mm-hmm. Ten issues. And how many tie-ins is that? Like, is there a main story plus tie-ins, or is that the main? They story? They said it's not a lot of tie-ins. It's not like AVX level. 
The why make a ten issue mini that's gonna ship every week and a you know week and a half? Money, cash, money. I'm not gonna. What? Who is Ultron? Even I he's a robot. That cat is. He's an android. You ever heard of those? Created by Hank Pym. Is he like? Wake up, pop- Jonesy. Jonesy. Is he? Is he popular? I don't understand. <laughs> It worked for AVX. I mean, they released 12 issues every other week. Yeah, but that was Avengers versus X-Men, like two widely recognized names by people outside of our culture. You're you're pigeonholing Ultron now, Jonesy. A lot of people know who Ultron is. Oh, okay. Jonesy could be the only person ever that doesn't know who Ultron is. He's in the damn animated (laughs) series, Jonesy. (laughs) The world's about to break. So now that we're back... From hiatus, we're just throwing off the PG thirteen. Listen, I'll edit that in curse. post. Okay, not you. It'll be in not post. Uh, the weird thing is, is that Brian Hitch only does five issues, and then they're getting right. that Brandon Peterson Yahoo and Carlos Pacheco to do the other five. Who is Brandon Peterson? I know him from such comics as he's doing Avengers right now. The final issues of Bendis's run. He also uh, did like Ultimate Galactus storyline back in the day. He does a lot of cross stitching on his art. Yeah, cross stitching. They say. Uh, they say. Thank you for the, the visual. Yeah, thank you for that. The change in art comes at a time where it kind of makes sense in the events of the book. Uh, that's all they could really say now. But so Brian Hitch is starting this event, and then these these cats are going to round out the last half of the book. Can but I, I think it's I think it's safe to say that. No, go ahead, Slim. I'm gonna, I want to make a bo- I want to make a bold prediction right now. The You're calling age, it. the Age of Ultron is going to be like the Age of Apocalypse, and then halfway through the arc, it goes into a different universe, alternate timeline, thus explaining the art changes. Thank you. You're doing this now just so you can tweet about it when it happens and say, "Look, I I can't say I didn't call it back then." Oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna. F- Favorite my own tweet and then retweet it afterward. It's going to be great. Just you watch, you sons of guns. Just you, you watch. S- you bees. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think it's safe to say the new stat. this is the new status quo, uh, at least for Marvel. We're looking at two books a month, Three ninety nine. I don't want to be one of the uh, negative Nancy doomsayers because I like my comics and I, you know, I bought every AVX tie-in except Uncanny X-Men, because it's poop. But <laughs> um, I think it's... Well, now, I'm, now, on the one side, you know, it's two comics a month. Like, it's almost like they're purposely getting you to buy double the issues, right? But mm-hmm. if you... But on the other hand, Devil's Advocate, it's a 10-issue event that could potentially take eight to 10 months otherwise, right? Right. So this is kind of a good thing. They're in you, they're in your brain right now. Marvel is in your brain, right? Like I'm, th- I I'm probably could work for Marvel marketing. <laughs> Marvel. At least they don't have their heads up their a like DC and just pretend trends don't oh, exist gosh. or alleged or produce sales in any way. Alleged. Mark, your thoughts on those alleged allegations? <laughs> alleged yeah. allegations. It's hard to call something alleged with fact, and I can't believe the way they reacted. What's got me more surprised is that Marvel's releasing this in March through June when DC's been pumping their whole summer crossover starting, I think, around June, July. I would have thought they put them off on the shelf to go sale for sale. Hmm. Hmm. And, well, and 
Brevoort could not confirm or deny that this is the only event taking place in 2013. Uh, uh, he just said, he said that this event is AVX level as far as event, like the magnitude of the event. But he didn't confirm nor deny that this was it for uh, All right, the Marvel. So U. AVX is good. Ultron, Ultron Avengers. Is going to be just as big as AVX? No, is that what he said? That's what he, it's the opposite of what he just said. Uh, it's confusing. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's not confusing for anyone but Jonesy. Let's, let's move on. Jonesy is derailing episode 76 like he's never done before. <laughs> Are we? Just please tell Are me we're out of tape right now. We, we're running out of so tape. Good. We're gonna. We're running out of tape. We need to move on to the actual comic book talk. Uh, you know, we read a lot of comics during the week. We have uh, just tons of free time, all of us. So we do a little reading. We like to get together and talk about what we read. Uh, I know just who wants to start this off, and it's myself. So I'm going to start with Red She-Hulk by Jeff Parker. Get out of here. What? Yeah. Marvel Are you trolling me right now? I am not trolling anyone, and I can't wait to talk about this book. I re- I sat down on the bus on the train rather this morning as I'm wont to do okay cuz I'm a big shot train rider now mhm so I whipped out the old iPad and I was like oh red she-hulk you know I'm going to give that book a little chance I heard I heard some good things about this Jeff Parker cat uh let me tell you something right now mark my words mhm book of the month yeah book of the month no. from Jeff Parker no. yeah stop rolling your eyes <laughs> <laughs> so Red She-Hulk, you know, Red Hulk is is an abomination to comic books. He's awful, but he's got a daughter ba- based Beth, on Betty nothing. Ross. He 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 birthed the daughter, and she was infected with some kind of thing. So she's become Red She-Hulk, and she's off on her own, just looking sexy and tall and voluptuous, and she's red. I'd imagine she was infected with a red hawk penis. <laughs> So there's something happening. There's something afoot in the military. They're they're putting these. They're creating superhuman beings to do battle. And Red She-Hulk is not happy about this one bit. So she goes and interrupts this little demonstration that they're having. She wreaks havoc, thinking that that'll put the kibosh on the whole program. Except these mm-hmm. potential investors are literally aroused by this this event. They're like, well, we want to fund this because these kind of crazy, sexy ladies might might do this to regular folk. So we need to pay for these superhuman beings. So uh, you see in the uh, second issue that she's getting these strange visions that these superhuman beings are going to lead to kind of like some kind of big destruction. So that's why she's hell-bent on stopping it. But Machine Man and Captain America guest star, the Avengers, and uh, it's just dynamite. Absolute dynamite. You want to sell a Red She-Hulk book, you have its star, Captain America and the Avengers. Absolutely, and Machine Man. <laughs> so, okay, so take me back. All right, I read a little snippet of Red She-Hulk in the Jason Aaron Incredible Hulk, mm. right? And that's all I got a taste of. Mm-hmm. But does she does she get into, you know, does she like being Red She-Hulk? Is she Red She-Hulk all the time? She uh, she You don't get into her feeling so much because even Captain America and Machine Man think that she's not being herself. She's uh, very destructive for no apparent reason to these people. And uh, she changes in and out uh, on a whim like to 
to disguise herself to get answers. But there's one scene at the end of the first issue where she assaults this like uh, sex offender that they're turning into one of these superhuman cops. And then she That's... she accidentally kills him with a punch. So Good. the end of the, the the cover of the next issue is Machine Man like on the cover with the speech bubble saying, you're under arrest for murder. And it was it's just like this great old school cover that you don't see that much. Just get it. Just go get the okay. GDM book. Two ninety nine. Just do it. I remember on a previous episode, you laid into me and Dale for two minutes for reading Jason Aaron's Incredible Hulk run. Yeah. So you're telling me that not only did you not read that, you picked up Red She-Hulk? I don't buy it. I want to slap you in the mouth right now. You could try to slap the taste out of my mouth. Won't change that I'm right. <laughs> what, wow. are, what, are, what am I disagreeing with? Yeah, that Incredible Hulk run by Jason Aaron was uh, literal garbage. Uh, uh, my word. Mark Silvestri, when he just robbed, he robbed a bank doing those first half issues. I mean, his art on that was, was literally made me want to go burn my Wolverines in my long box that he did when I was a youth. I did not miss you. I, I, at all. Extended. Uh, enough about great comics. Let's hear what Dale underscore A read this week. Troll extended. Hiatus. <laughs> I read a little book, speaking of the devil himself, Jason Aaron's Thor, God of Thunder. Whoa. Huge title. Huge title. Uh, I got to tell you. The only other Thor I've tried reading would have been uh, Fraction, the uh, the wife of Kelly Sue DeConnick, the husband of Kelly Sue, Matt Fraction. And I can tell you, I just wanted to beat myself over the head with Mjolnir because it was it was bad. I mean, it was would, literal would you, would garbage. You classi- as, would you classify it as the uncanny X-Men level of poop? It, that's, I mean, if that is the tip of the scales then yes hmm. it was poop <laughs> uh so thor god of thunder they they hand the uh, reins to the capable hands of jason aaron and he just takes it and runs with it hmm. and it's broken down into three separate timelines all featuring thor but all tied together with one common element so back in the day Norway, 803 A.D., uh, Thor and his uh, Viking Earthling fellows just slay a frost giant, and they're celebrating with mead and roasted meats, and then they find a head of a god washed up on the shores of, of their little fishing village. Uh, Thor looks at this and is like, well, and the heck can kill a god? This mm-hmm. is clearly a god's head. How does this happen? Cue to the present day Thor and a an off-world alien race praying for Thor because they have such uh, extreme drought issues that they need, they just, they're, they don't even pray to their own gods anymore because it's almost like a running joke in the species that the gods aren't there for them anyway. Sad. And uh, a little a little child prays for Thor. Thor comes and basically just beats the crap out of the ground to dig up deep hidden water wells. And uh, Thor's talking to the one of the village elders and is like, I, I, I know 
there are gods. Your species, your alien race, does have gods. Why do you not call upon them? And uh, and the the elder basically says the gods have stopped answering our prayers millennia ago. So Thor goes to ch- check out the uh, slim. Uh, you were. Correct me if I am not incorrect, but how often has Thor ever answered someone's prayers from another galaxy? Is that a normal thing he does? Under uh, the astute typing of Jason Aaron once so far. Oh, okay. Just checking. Thanks. Now, there was an alternate timeline in the amazing Dan Jurgens run. <laughs> drink. Where Heim, drink. Drink. Hi- drink, drink. <laughs> where Heimdall would actually listen for prayers and Thor would go answer them all over the planet. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, Jonesy loves beer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so Thor goes to investigate the high, uh, high in the clouds palaces of these known gods, and he finds empty palaces and dead bodies of gods. Crazy spoilers, by the way. This is mm. spoiler heavy. And drowning in it right now. Cue to the future. <laughs> And Thor is the only one left on Asgard. He's got one arm. He's got an eye patch. He's got this beautiful front facial hair that just puts oh. most uh, the most men in the month of November to shame. He is still battling these god killers, and not they don't show the god killers yet. They only show like the god killers bulldogs. These uh, this vicious species of alien who are the protectors of the god killers but what i mean what a well-constructed book i got to tell you the the three time frames absolutely works i don't know if it's going to i could see something like this dropping off after the first six issues like they their novelty is over they can't i don't if they can keep telling stories and have it entertaining then then keep doing it but i don't see it happening but uh i just really enjoyed every aspect of this book i loved it Anybody else read this? Uh, I read it as well. I I enjoyed it. It um, Jason Aaron is the perfect Thor ambassador to readers like us who don't necessarily have that love left over of the Walt Simonson era. You know what I mean? Like the people like Feinsta and uh, uh, my guess is also the Garveys, the like the guys who grew up with Walt Simonson's Thor. Anyone over fifty. Right, love Thor At and least. still carry that torch for him, uh, the mule torch, if you will. Yeah. And guys like us who didn't really get a chance to get in on the title when we were younger, you know, now that somebody we recognize is, recognize like Jason Aaron, like someone who does titles we love, like Wolverine, like it's not a hard transition for us to get into it now. Mm. The uh, the Odin flame, they say. Uh, yeah. Made in Ambler. I think the only black man living in Ambler right now, possibly in in in, in its history. Uh, what are you reading right now? I am reading all new X Men number one. Oh my! Wow, it's just you... Marvel Marvel Town right now. We're They're excited. DC left and right. We are excited. All new X Men number one starts with Henry McCoy Beast writhing in pain on the floor of his lab because he's going through a third a tertiary mutation. He is in pain. He's in agony. He doesn't think he's going to make it, but he's just tired. He's going to try to fight this, but he's tired. 
He's tired of the fighting. He's tired of the anguish that he gets for his mutation. And he's tired of all the bad luck the X-Men are getting. It flashes to Australia where a new mutant basically freezes an entire city block. And Emma Frost, Cyclops, Magneto, and Magic, also calling themselves the X-Men, go in to save her. They go in. They fight some cops. They introduce themselves. They basically wreak havoc to save this girl. And in the midst of the melee, Scott looks into a security camera and says, Brothers and sisters of the Atom, know that if you are a mutant, you aren't alone. The X-Men are coming to help you. Cuts over to Westchester at the school, where we see Storm, Kitty Pride, Iceman, Beast, all talking about Cyclops' latest out- outlash. They don't know what to do. They don't know whether or not to go save them. They don't know whether or not to stop them. They don't know if they should just leave them alone. But they know every time Scott goes and does something reckless, he's just bringing the federal government closer and closer to their door. Meanwhile, Beast is just, again, he's tired and distraught. Iceman is just in shock and disbelief, saying, if the young us could see us now, they would be so disappointed. Beast agrees with Iceman, and the last page ends with Beast having gone back in time to meet the original teenage X-Men and beg them to come to the future, their present, to talk some sense into Scott Summers. This book has been so hyped for so long, I couldn't wait to read it, and I was thoroughly entertained, page to page. This was a basic setup issue for a number one, laying out all the plots, letting you know who they are. So there's nothing too mind-blowing going on here, but it is really entertaining to read. It's a pitch-perfect first issue down the center of the plate. I can't wait to see what Bendis does next. Yeah, I I agree on all points because it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal story. I, I, I'm kind of bummed that if you read the the preview pages like months beforehand, or at least a month beforehand, it was the exact four, the end, last four pages of the book, which was kind of sucky. But, uh, I mean, everything about the book, the art and the colors... I was just talking about the uh, colors, just phenomenal, completely phenomenal. What, uh, what about how um, the first? I think it's the bleeding, bleeding cool firmed. The uh, the first time you see the '60s X Men, it's like dialogue and a conversation from X Men number eight, like the first X Men number eight, like that that conversation that Hank had where he's like getting beat up by humans actually happened in the in the '60s. Get out of here. I know the scene is from that, but I'd have to pull out the archives to just go see if it's like word for word dialogue. I just, cool I just told you. I literally just told you, Mark. Yeah, but we know you're wrong more often than not. I trust Jonesy before you. <laughs> that, oh I am literally going to put my head in the oven right now. I'm putting it in my oven. <laughs> but that would be cool. And it sounds like something Bendis would do going back to the original issue and syncing up the dialogue. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. I think uh, I think Bendy's out of out of his funk with this issue. Yeah, his, like don't I think he's been fun, like think he's been, in a funk been, since his Avengers run. I think you can get in a funk if you write a title for however many years he's writing Avengers. Like Aaron wrote Wolverine for like, like a quarter of the time, and the, the tail end of his Wolverine run was terrible, unreadable almost. I feel like every writer has a story they want to tell about their particular character. That one thing in the back of their head. But then the second they tell it, it's like, hey, that was really good. What else you got? Well, um, I'm sure I could think of something. 
That's I, how I feel Bendis I'm is. I'm trying to think about what other host says something like that about every single episode. Slim, do you know? I don't know who that is. I wish I, <laughs> I, I, wish I did now. I'll tell you that much I'm, right now. I'm kind of worried about Beast, though. I don't want to see him go through another change. Like, that's what Bendis is going to do to Beast. I'm I'm scared. Rest in peace, Beast. I like Beast. They just they just S on Beast so much. Guys, we, S on Beast. we're running out of time. We're, we're running out of tape, and we need to get to the lightning round. Two sentences or less. But before we do that, I was kind of interested in what Jonesy read. Yeah, could I do it? <laughs> could I do my book, or...? I mean, I'll be quick, I promise. Uh, let's We're back from, from extended hiatus. We're sorry. Jonesy, I was hoping Jonesy would stay on extended hiatus, but if we really need to hear from him, I guess we can do that. Vitriolic. Well said. Vitriolic. All right, we have Where is Jake Ellis, issue one. All right. The smash hit follow-up to Who is Jake Ellis. Uh, Where is picks up right after the uh, first arc ends. Uh, there is almost no uh, time jump. We meet Sergeant Jake Ellis like in a hospital where he's basically been cordoned off uh, from the world with like every spy agency interested in his case file now that the details are coming to light. We find out that he's been inside uh, he's been inside the mind of John Moore for uh, four years, Spoilers. which I think was kind of uh, Kind of ambivalent before. Is that spoilers? A time frame of spoilers? Are spoilers now? So, um, John is now on the run. Is still on the run like he was in the first arc. Um, but Jake Ellis is alive. So, so John doesn't have his help anymore. So he kind of he's kind of trying to get to the U.S. Embassy and get to somebody still at the agency so he can kind of get protection but he doesn't have Jake telling him what to do except spoilers <laughs> the big reveal of the like the world of Jake Ellis is anytime Jake goes back into being unconscious he appears again in John Moore's mind so what? cliffhanger cliffhanger he's kind of back in there and uh, you know what's going to happen in issue two with Jake being um, taken back home I read it too. Can I, Would you can think I tell so? you that right now? Uh, you can. I uh, for some reason I didn't like the format of the 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 recap page. I don't know. Maybe it just didn't work for digital. Yeah. What was I it? Thought, for, uh, was it like yeah. uh, adventurous? It was like four. I guess you could call it like four pages of recap, but combined mm, okay. into one page so each quadrant was a full page it just wasn't like i don't know how to explain it it was a good recap i guess but it just was the format was funky but there yeah i actually it, because it was hard to read on my ipad i just flipped through it to the the uh, i flipped right mm -hmm. back to recap yeah I'm, i Who like publish this book uh image i am excited i forgot this was even coming out who was the first was it who told me that this was in the works was it you dale or jonesy yeah, I may have uh, I may have been going through like a month before, two months before the solicits, and I I might have I am'd it to you. Was this at our uh, show sponsor, the comic book shop in in Delaware? Yeah, the uh, that's where exactly where it was, and I unfortunately I didn't pick it up there because last week's haul was so big, I had to uh, not buy baby formula. Well, you have to make sacrifices sometimes, right. but. Uh, 
I mean, the comic book shop are good people. I I did all I could. <laughs> yeah, Reed Reed will appreciate that in like ten years. What you did for him? I it, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two sentences or less. The lightning round of another book we read before we get into our book club. Uh, Princeless from Action Lab. Adorable all ages story involving a princess and, and a dragon. Grab this right now on the comics app. Great Pacific, number one. Cool story pulling in some real world issues. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch is a real thing, people. Do your research. Batman, Little Gotham. Why is it that the best DCU adaptations I can't find in comics? All ages bat story that is good for the entire fam. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, issue four of six. If they had made that SE remake of He-Man a couple years back, like this comic, you would have the same huge audience that the new Thundercats now enjoys. Rebuttal. Ooh. Sandman. It's real. Mm. We said that if we came out of the hiatus unscathed, yeah. that, that it would be Sandman. Boy, what a mistake. I mean, wait, what were we thinking <laughs> to promise people? Uh, Neil Gaiman, he's a big shot. He's a big shot writer. He is with that hot singer lady. Um, oh, yeah. What's her name? She was just on a Kickstarter. So he's he's Am- he's a hot Amanda property. Palmer? You got it. That's it. Uh, so Sandman has been requested for our book club for since the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, Definitely. however long this show has been going on. I don't know how long it's been. but Two years? Maybe. 76 episodes? Uh, who wants Cop to out. tell us a little bit about this Sandman book? For those that don't know, Jonesy loves beer. All right, so imagine that Neil Gaiman himself self-inserts himself into the DCU, and you have Sandman, a main character who looks curiously just like the real-life Neil Gaiman, um, is imprisoned by a magical worshipping cult, for lack of a better term. And he is one of the Endless, which is a a race of immortals that we didn't know existed in the DCU until just now. And he is, his name is Dream. You know, he's little brother to Death, uh, Desire, and other D-letter gods or lesser (laughs) gods that exist. Um... And he has a couple names, one being Morpheus and the other being the Sandman, which is where we get the title of this uh, series. Uh, Morpheus, through a mistake made by his captors, is able to escape his imprisonment in the first issue. And he sits, he sets out about a, uh, a story uh, like with MacGuffins to get back these three tools 
that he sent out into the world were stolen from him so he can regain his powers. The This journey takes him through, like, a who's who of, like, the DCU magic verse at the time. For instance, his first mission to get his helmet back, I'm sorry, his pouch of sand back was with John Constantine. So there's a bunch of guest stars from the Constantine book, Hellblazer books. And then the next issue, he has to go to hell. So he meets with uh, Etrigan, the uh, the demon. And of course, out of nowhere, like everybody kind of knows who he is because he's so such a powerful magic Sexy. guy. And what well, he's the real life Neil Gaiman, so of course he's drawn sexily. And <laughs> um, then finally, the back half of this arc is him reclaiming the ruby, which is his third talisman, and kind of um, chasing after this B-list Batman villain, uh, Doctor D, who uses the power of dreams to torture people. And he has a, a showdown with him, and he gets his ruby back, and then. He's a full power. Um, he's ha- actually has more power than he's ever had, but even before he was imprisoned. And he's kind of at a crossroads, a crossroads of where he goes now. His kingdom that he made out of his own mind, like his his imaginary kingdom that he made real, has crumbled be- due to his absence. <laughs> so now he's got like kind of like a clean slate. And so he talks to his sister, Death. And he's kind of like, all right, well, I got to take the next step forward. It's going to end volume one. <laughs> spoilers. Sandman spoilers. <laughs> Sandman spoilers from 30 years ago <laughs> when it came out. Uh, what a book. What a book. Uh, I want to hear from Ambler's own Mark Farrington, DC historian. This is probably, you know, a small piece of Mark's history with DC. So I wanted small to hear. Slice. Yeah. yeah, just a slice of life for Mark. What did you think? This is one of those books that everybody would talk about. Like, hey, you've never read Sandman? It's like Swamp Thing. So we gave it a shot. Right, it's like Swamp Thing. I thought it was okay. I think this was a very set-up arc for the rest of the series. So it kind of hurt it knowing that I'm not going to be around for the long haul. I thought elements of it were very cool. Like, I liked how Morpheus would go around and interact with these characters from Vertigo. And then he would interact with characters from literature, like he met Cain and Abel, he met Lucifer and Beelzebub. And they also kind of lightly wove into and out of the DCU. Like there was a couple nudge-nudge wink-winks to go check with the Justice League. Um, Dr. Destiny that he fought was a Justice League villain. It was good, not great to me. What about his whole interaction with Martian Manhunter? Forgot about that. And yeah. Martian Manhunter's like, oh my god, I know who exactly who you were, and I have had this long storied history with you that I'm gonna, you know, basically tell you about to yourself in a couple pages. Jonesy, would it, would I be out of line in saying that you did not like Sandman? <laughs> <laughs> I I liked it, but I have a lot of nitpicks with it, uh, and that's just like for Mark's reasons. Like everybody tells me how great Sandman is. And, like, I remember when I tweeted that I didn't like Transmetropolitan and the internet tried to delete me from existence. It's true. Like, I, I don't necessarily feel that way about it, but I I love... Let me, let me preface with this. I have read many Neil Gaiman novels, uh, my favorite being American Gods. And I thought 
that this was nowhere near the quality of his novels writing wise. Uh, I was texting back and forth with Dale earlier, and I called it basically a Mary Stew story that they had just let him write in the DCU. Like, imagine a younger person, a young writer who was like, "I want to be, an, I want to be a DCU character. Who would I be?" Oh, I'd be this powerful god. I've had I would have all these powers. I would get to hang out with Constantine. I would like to go to Gotham City. Like it just felt like a story that wasn't wasn't told from like the outside looking in. It was told as almost like a fulfillment fantasy of somebody looking out. Does that make sense? It does. Let me ask you, when you read Neil's other stuff, was he this wordy? In Sandman, maybe it was his writing style, maybe that's Morpheus, but Morpheus was very articulate and erudite, and everything was a soliloquy, or everything was just a beautiful sonnet of words. He never just spoke. Um, in uh, American Gods, um, it's it's like half and half. His travelogue chapters, which is really just like chronicling uh, the movements of the characters and their meetings, is very concise but the convert like the long drawn out conversations the characters would have together would go on for pages mm. okay dale underscore sandman what'd you think well this was a big that was a big step for me to read this book for all you slack-jawed uh hippies who don't own televisions and uh to uh, to promise to read this and then have to read it was totally like slammed me, <laughs> but um, I loved it. Whoa, I loved it. Whoa, I did not see that coming. I I was completely like I don't I think I'm sick to my stomach because I'm I'm not supposed to like it as much as I did. Um, I was really surprised by it. I liked. The fact that it was a Vertigo book, but it was still kind of in the DCU. I'm curious if Neil Gaiman had a story that he wanted to tell and DC wanted him to put it in the DCU, or Gaiman had the story already taking place in the DCU. Um, I liked the chances, the the direction the, uh, the story went. I liked how <clears throat> it was like the mini adventure where he had to retrieve his three artifacts. I was very put off f- by the first issue because uh, the art was real rough and Sam and Sam Keith, uh, he did like the first three or four I- issues uh, was very like experimental or artsy. Like it was definitely something I had to get used to. And th- when I f- found out when Morpheus finally broke free of his imprisonment I just I'm glad the setup was there and the first issue was like 46 pages long like Mm -hmm. I was barely hanging in there for it but when I finally got through it I mean I I really liked it I think the covers are still junk (laughs) and uh, you would never be able to convince me otherwise of those artsy fartsy covers of the books but uh, I, I mean I really liked it I liked that uh, like I said, the he had to go on these little adventures. I like how the adventures, uh, the first two artifacts only took one issue to tie up. And he got his his helm back and his bag of sand. And then he had to go get his ruby in what could have been like 
one of the more terrifying arcs or storylines I've read. I mean, it was frightening, the imagery and everything. Uh, I was really, it, it was really unsettling. Uh, I will say this. Uh, sorry, Slim, I know you're you're ready to jump in with your opinion, but uh, the issue 24 hours where he takes a break from the main story to tell you that side story of uh, Dr. Destiny basically toying with everybody in that diner yeah. for an entire day. I thought that was, that was brilliantly wild. written. That was great. That was a like I know now that if I really want to appreciate this series, I have to sit down and read all the issues. Agreed. I, I'm not going to get what I want from it in the first eight because you know when you have a setup that is you know an you know an old badass comes back and has to get his stuff. Like it didn't match up with the kind of like goofy Tim Burton esque universe that Sandman's trying to weave. So I I really want to I am going to find the issues probably digitally and I'm going to sit them sit down and read them. And I need to draw an opinion about this book after I've read the entire volume. I just thought it, I just thought it was okay. I didn't. Uh, it's not. It's no Swamp Thing for me. Swamp Thing like melted my brain and heart as one. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Swamp Thing. I thought I thought Swamp Thing was beautiful, a beautiful piece of work. I didn't get that feeling with Sandman because I I know we talked about it before. I I think we held it up to that level of books that we quote should read or should have read uh, before. I would put I, from other people from the general populace. I would probably put Sandman at probably number one in terms of what we should in have terms read. Of, or yeah, in terms of what people think we should have read. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and, and I mean, I I'm not sure if it's maybe if I had caught the book at a different time and I was listening to different music. I'm actually kind of super big into pairing up music with what I read now for some reason, but. Um, the the diner scene is where, well, actually no, I correct myself. The scene where he gets the helm in hell, and his reasoning for being allowed to leave, what I think was the first great issue. Mm-hmm. That ending was fantastic, and then the scene where the issue after that, where D talks to the woman that he kidnapped to drive, and then at the end. When uh, he parts ways with her, oh man, that was yeah. it was it was like dark but great, and I was like pissed that I had read it. Um, but the diner scene was—I don't even know how to describe that di- the diner issue. I don't <laughs> know. It, it felt like a Twilight Zone episode that airs at two a.m. on like Cinemax. Like it's just too wild. There was just so yeah. much dark yeah. darkness, dark topics, taboo topics. And and it's ugh, it's just like that issue's gonna stick with me for probably the rest of my life. Yeah, I will say uh, to your point that line Drink. where uh, <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> I did it when Lucifer says, "You know, you you are a dream. What power do you have in hell?" And he turns to Lucifer and he says, "What power does hell have if the inhabitants can't dream of heaven?" And kind of like turns his back and walks away. I was like, "All right, I get it." Yeah, that I was mean, a great I get line. Yeah, like this book. And even even the the artwork, where he's standing in front of them, and he says that, and then they just part for him to leave, uh, you mm-hmm. know, unmolested. That was a great scene. That was a great ending, and probably my favorite issue. 
and I agree with your synopsis, Jonesy, that you really do need to read the series in its entirety to form a accurate opinion of it. I feel like with this book, and it's neither a good thing nor a bad thing, but as I read it, it felt as though Neil Gaiman was trying to create something that was going to be an epic, that would be an instant classic. Whereas when I read Usagi Ojimbo, that just felt timeless and classic to me without trying. So you're saying you, the effort was apparent? Yes, that's but I, exactly I'm saying that, like, like we just said, that uh, diner issue... Like it blew my mind. It was so good. Like yeah. there's no, it, it was so well written and so cerebral that it I, fit the story. But it just it, like it blew me away. I like how the uh, that that issue particularly, but the you didn't really need a super great explanation about what was happening. It was related to the ruby. It was related to how people's dreams are out of whack. And people are going crazy because of it, but that was all the explanation that was really needed because the I mean the story was just so out there, and how he was writing this uh woman like this woman this woman Betty's attitude, like how she had everybody over a barrel because she thought she was like better than everybody because she was a writer, and she wrote short short stories at the be in uh, about all her people, and she wrote wrote them with happy endings, and it was just like in the in the grand scheme. Your little writing job, you're locked in a diner with Doctor Destiny. Oh, I mean, man. she wasn't she wasn't prepared. I think it was her, or the, the she wasn't prepared to hear from her boyfriend or the dude she was sleeping with. Was it oh, him yeah. that he was in prison, where he said, yeah. I, "I met up with your son and he was selling himself for a pack of smokes, and I and you you could have him for a pack of smokes." And yeah. he said, "I did." I mean, get yeah. the hell out of here with like that was just so out of left field and, and so all the dark. while she's like pounding nails into his hand as he's say, as he's telling her like the whole the whole story is just crazy. What's even weirder like, is that the people that tell us that sh- they should have read it probably read this book when they were kids. Like, can you imagine reading yeah. that issue when you were a kid? We're giving that to your son when he was our age, when we was like eight, eight or nine, no, starting to read comics. Definitely not. No, I just I would have never pooped a little bit. Yeah, I'm a thirty year old man, and that book had me so creeped out. <laughs> I look at, I was looking at my car as I drove over here just to make sure nobody was yeah, in the back it's seat. It's definitely not meant to be a hero book as much as it is a deconstruction of that style, like that Luciferian. You know, I'm going to tell a story about demons. I'm going to tell mm-hmm. a story about true darkness. Yeah, and and you figure out who's right and who's wrong. And it, it I, I thought it was cool how the it not like I had no idea there was nods to the DC universe in it. You know, it didn't have to have the Martian Manhunter in it, or you know, a panel with Batman fighting whoever. Oh well, yeah, well I just well, I thought think, it was a neat tie-in. But I think that's what uh what Mark was saying. Like he he might have presented this to editorial. Like this is what this is my comic book masterpiece. Mm-hmm. This is the story I want to tell in a visual medium because it's about dreams, and I think on the page as visuals it's going to work a lot better. And they said, okay, but put DC characters in so we can kind of sell it because at the time maybe maybe superhero was the only thing selling. They're like, really want to, we really want to tell this, but we don't think it's going to sell. It, you know, yeah, it's going to be popular otherwise. It's exactly. It's weird because they they ch- decided to do it even though it was Vertigo. 
Like, right. I mean, because Vertigo doesn't really is on the I, back then. I don't even think there was fringes of DCU in it. But I mean, was, there, there may have been. I don't know. Was Hitman Vertigo or was that straight DC? Hitman was Vertigo, I believe. DC that was almost. Yeah, that was almost directly in the DCU. The Joker was in it a bunch, and that would be too dark for mainstream DC. Although, on the real, I'm not sure. Let's get the intern on it. We'll have to. Um, I liked that this was some of the best Doctor Destiny stories I've ever seen, and he's been around since 1961, I think. Wow. Um, I liked more than I'm letting on. Uh, you pointed Doctor Destiny specifically, but you could, there was a definite difference. Uh, that was noticeable when Sam Keith stopped and the other artists took over the book. Like, Sam Keith was more flowy and it looked like he took more chances with a free-flowing page. Like, panels were barely constructed and his Dr. Destiny was just like a, a skinless zombie. Whereas when the other artists took over the book, there were, def- there were, like, const- there were panels laid out on the page and Dr. D looked more like, you know... A guy had hair, and he looked less like a uh, a burnt burn victim. How about that one scene where he's riding that guy's shoulders and he's buck naked? <laughs> nobody yeah, nobody was, thought about that. that. Was one of the darkest scenes just for like me. Contributing to the craziness of it, <laughs> and when uh, when Morpheus is holding him in his hand. And he's Doctor D is naked, and he like scratches his a. That was funny. like he's like having this serious conversation, and he just reaches back and he scratches his butt. That that panel like just like just stood out to me because it was so like such a little chuckle and such an an, an epic moment of the story. Like you're done. I mean, Morpheus is he's got all his power back. It's it's over. Jen, did you get back from the intern? The um, Hitman was in the main DC. Mm. You. you heard it here first. Which I thought definitely was... It was dark. I thought it would have had to been a Vertigo book. But We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. To you. Letters... At whoa, just cut off right there. Letters at mm. paperkeg. dot com. We'll read them. So this is this is brand new, out of nowhere. The weeks and months of planning. So we didn't really have any letters, but I think we had one left over from right when the hiatus trademark started. We had two, uh, both coming from Tim, who was apparently listening to episode seventy five when he wrote these. His first one short sweet to the point saying, I can't believe I got teary-eyed over episode 75 at work wearing mm. headphones. Oh, my gosh. Damn you four. And then his other letter goes on to say, hey, Slim, Mark, Jonesy, and Dale. Papercake had been a podcast that I look forward to every week. I really dug it. The show is funny while taking a critical review of the comic book medium. The show has been a surrogate for me. It reminds me of the friends I would go to the comic shop with back before the progression of life made us all too busy with family or separated us by distance. I enjoyed the format and the fact that you tried to stick with it with varied success, but those little deviations is what made it hilarious. You guys brought many books to my attention, Essex County, Superman's Birthright, Alan Moore Swamp Thing, etc., that I had overlooked which sent me to the comic book shop to buy. It is too bad it's gone for now. I hope you guys come back, but either way, 
Let your listeners know what you are doing next. Thanks, Paper Cake, for making me laugh, but now said. P.S. Stop crying. You guys cry every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> From Tim. What a letter. Uh, well, not, not to fear, Tim. Uh, we are back. Tim, that's like one of the nicest letters. That's up there with uh, J-Bo's letter. Remember J-Bo's letter? J-Bo's letter made me cry, Tim. So there you there go. You go. Jonesy cries at everything now, Tim. <laughs> FYI. Yeah, Tim. Tim. Tim, you will be happy to know no tears were shed during the recording of this episode. No paper keggers were harmed <laughs> during the recording of this episode. Only paper keggers' feelings. What a show. What, what a show. This was it. What a we're show. We're back, boys. Uh, for now. Uh, breaking news, we're going back on hiatus next week. <laughs> Just kidding. Hold uh, you. No, uh, hopefully everyone digs the, the new layout of the site. You know, we got mm-hmm. a new paper keg logo drawn mm. by none other than Don Garvey. Whoa. Wizard. Whoa. Uh, Don uh, underscore Garvey. Uh, Echo Rift Podcast. Check it out. And uh, review us on iTunes. You know, when you're popping a squat the next time on the can. Right? You can write reviews mobily. Do it. <laughs> uh, we'll see everybody next week while pooping Columbia You gotta learn the words to that song. Those were the words, Mark. Uh, what a show! We're back, officially. Win, win column. I don't know, Jonesy. What, what's what's what do you think? Win column. Uh, we have broken through the super <laughs> win column, <laughs> through the extra special win column we've talked about in the past, right. into some some special heavenly win column that we all dream about. In hell, that is perfect for us to reach. Sandman, wow. that was Helps intense. Us get there. That was some intense ratings happening right there. It was. <laughs> and nobody could see me, but I was elevating my hand the entire time. You as were I, as I progressed. So the he looked like problem. a conductor. It was awesome. So let's talk about uh, the return, the return from hiatus of Paper Keg. Jonesy, uh, Jonesy mentioned that we were watching him raise his hand up. Uh, so we took a break because, you know, we're moving. We're making babies. Mark is making money, movies, TV, yeah, writing. Uh, prolific. Prolific. So so we said we weren't going to do a show, you know, over Skype if we weren't going to be pleased with the, the final product. Right? Right. So, so I currently am in Bloomfield, New Jersey right now talking to this microphone. Mm-hmm. Right? Where are you, Dale? I am uh, in the land of fake ponies, southern New Jersey. Jonesy and Mark, where are you? We are in the Paper Keg Show Den. Live. Live to tape. Together. Together, Together as one, all four of us. 
We're in different locations. Right now. And I bet you couldn't even tell. Right? Hope not. Right? Hopefully. Should we pull the curtain back and tell them how we're doing it? Answer us. So so we we practiced. You know, we we talked to the lawyers. We talked to our mm-hmm. analysts and we're like, how can we make this possible? Us living so far away. And uh I think it was Dale's suggestion to use Google Hangout back in the day. Was mm-hmm. that your idea, Dale? Yeah, I'd like to think I, you know, helped contribute. Well, even if it's false, we'll allow you to believe that it was your contribution. Thank you. So, <laughs> so the we actually had a paper keg episode that was remote already. This isn't the first remote paper keg. Fooled you. That was uh, what show was that? Seventy three point one. Correct. The um, the super secret episode. So that was one of our first tests. Mark wasn't available to test. So we did a test show, and it was so great, we thought, anyway, obviously. So that we said, yeah, we, we have to put this out. We can't, this is just too good. We have to put it out as a show. So that's what we did. And we didn't mention where we were or, you know, what have you. Uh, so we're using Google Hangout. We're looking at each other in video. We're not using mm-hmm. Skype. So I can always fall back on my complaining about Skype that I would never use it, and it's true. <laughs> and we're using GarageBand, all of us, to record, and we just combine the tracks and do a little snippety-snip. That's all it takes. There we yeah. are. And uh, I will add that um, I purchased a uh, Behringer soundboard, um, and I got the duplicate equipment that we used for the original recordings. So... Um, you know we're all using the same devices, mm-hmm. so there's no there's no really chance to kind of have a difference in auto quality. That's a commitment there, folks. I think on everybody's part. You hear that, kids? You too can have a podcast at home with your buddies all around the country and have it sound Here's how. and sound and have it sound good. You know that was the whole yeah. thing. We weren't going to do this if it didn't sound. As good as what we're doing before. Like if you th- if you think about it, which is crazy to me, it was probably a hundred and ten or hundred fifteen bucks to get everything, to get the stuff you absolutely need. You know, combined with your laptop, which is not in the cost. I mean, assuming you already have a laptop. Mm-hmm. So for a hundred fifteen bucks, if you go seventy five episode, you're really investing less than a dollar or about a dollar an episode. I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't know. That's, I don't know that's math. bad math. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But okay, let's say if you do Hashtag 150 episodes, <laughs> it's less than a dollar an episode to put your podcast out. So, why would you want to do a Skype podcast where you record on your laptop's mic and oh like a million things go in the background? <laughs> and and yeah, okay. your your internet's constantly out. Like, why wouldn't you just want to spend less than a dollar an episode to make it sound mm, or more than like a dollar. this? <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. I mean. Uh, obviously, I'm not a mathematician for a living, so lay off. <laughs> Jonesy left his abacus upstairs with Jake, his son. <laughs> I, I don't have that many fingers, so. J- Jake. Jake. My, my son is Jack, by the way. Jack Jones, not Jake Jones, but Slim is too good f- to remember his name, <laughs> even though he's held up in his arms. So yeah. so, so this, so that's the gist. We, we're not local anymore for now. We'll, if we're together and the stars align, we'll record a, a local show, but... You know, I bet oh, yeah. the, I bet the majority of people that listened to the the first hour of the show didn't didn't think anything of it. They probably thought we're in your basement, you know, spraying 
death to you know bug spray on our faces like old times. Yeah, thinking it's Febreze. Our bug spray war paint. Bug spray war paint, and uh, <laughs> but it's not really that. It's more like death paint. Death. Right. Uh, yeah. So what this? I mean, this is incredible. And I'm so grateful that we were able to expedite it here. I mean. Uh, Jonesy's lady popped that kid out mm-hmm. and uh, started raising him. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been testing since we went on hiatus. After that f- recording, we have been testing feverishly. And we were so proud of 73.1 that we just put it out there to uh, kind of gauge to see if anybody noticed anything or right. or and, whatever. And the, the podcast that Dale and I do, The Flap, has always been remote. Dale, mm-hmm. Dale and I have never recorded a local The Flap. So put that in your thinking cap and stew on it. So uh, this this opens up a whole lot of possibility. Out are the uh, separate fireside chats that were like... Garbage. Complete abominations to our good name. <laughs> I <Right>. mean, uh, <laughs> the uh, scheduling scheduling nightmares of trying to get the four of us together every two weeks to do it uh, are out the window. This opens up some better possibilities for that. Right. And worked, so we're going to go be go, go back to a weekly show. Uh, heaven help us if we can keep up the reading. Oh, God bless. God bless us uh, if we can do it. And we got some uh, other ideas for the show as well. We got uh, some theme ideas like... Uh, to go out, you know, special occasion episodes that follow a certain theme. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, for example, uh, you know, no capes. Hashtag so, no capes. Which is going to kill us because, you know, unless Marvel does a no capes book, <laughs> we're probably done March for. March is not going to show powers. up. Powers. So. We're going to do powers. Yeah, it, it's exciting because it, I think this gives us a lot more freedom to be off the cuff. Like, we can say... Uh, you know, maybe next week. You know, we just had this wild idea. Why don't we do a um, a, a certain book club or a certain theme or, or some kind of format that isn't what we're used to? And mm-hmm. instead of having to work it out months in advance, oh god, we we can say you know <laughs> next you, you know what I mean. Next Thursday is open. You know, Mark can come over here. We can spend, and it's not you know four hours of travel time for somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, I mean, the best part about this is, you know, I know it's, especially with a kid, but even before to tell my wife that, hey, Monday night, you're not going to see me at all. I'll be back at two in the morning. Oh, God. You know, I'm just going to come and write to New Jersey and that's it. You're like, our day is gone. Now I could come home from work, hold my kid, have some dinner, then come down to the basement, record for an hour or whatever. And then that's it. Like, then I can go back and, you know, help with the baby or, you know, mm-hmm. go, take like, a big poo. You know what I mean? Or, so the travel time is cut out. So that that's the that's the good part of it. It does suck that I can't see you guys in person. I mean, that was really why we did the show in the first place. But, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. And I think this is this is worth it to keep going. It's so funny because I was just thinking how we really didn't see you this episode. We saw your right arm. <laughs> <laughs> but you spent most of the time off camera thinking like you're on camera, but you weren't. Now, right? now Jonesy has returned to his pros- prostrate position of laying on <laughs> yeah. a couch. And, you know, we could, we liter- it literally looks like he's laying on a gurney. 
and his <laughs> microphone is resting on his chest. So Jonesy could all, be dead right now. We just don't know. <laughs> yeah. All I can see in my own camera is my huge white forearm that looks like I'm an albino elephant from so far away. Uh, Lord. Mark, are you excited about the return of Paper Keg right now? I am excited for the return of Paper Keg, and I am very curious as to what's coming up down the pipeline. It's nice to be back. We did 75. I know we could bang out 75 more. Oh, God. Mm, yes. And I'm looking forward to hearing from our listeners. Mostly, now that we did Sandman, I want to know what other quote-unquote book we need to read. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if anybody has any more to throw at us. We did what everybody asked for. We did Usagi. We did We did Transmet. We did... So now no one can snarkily say, well, you guys never read this title. And we'll be like, yo, B. Do we, do we want to announce the next book, or do we want to hold off? Until no, I think we should announce it now. I kind of want to lay on the reverse trolling for another two to three minutes to see if anybody tells us any book suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> lay off the reverse troll for at least a few days? We could do that. Well, we still have to get your rebuttal before we wrap up. What was your comment about... Oh, it was that the revival should have been as good as that series. Correct. Now, Mark, mm-hmm. it is done by James Robinson, the, the writer of Starman. No, he your only quote, did one unquote, episode. Favorite. Keith Giffen. Okay. <laughs> Keith Giffen's a good writer. What's your point? My point is, you're right. Genius is just incredible. Then why did you rebuttal me if you agree? Because I wanted to tell you that I agree with you. <laughs> that's not the <laughs> definition of a rebuttal. We use rebuttal just to that's say that like, we've got something to say about That's yeah. like an on buttle. Are you arguing the fact that I'm agreeing with you? Because I'll take it back and argue it. Uh, never mind. I don't want you to All play right, devil's yeah. advocate. That's oh, fine. Did you know they canceled that Thundercats, by the way? Did they really? Yeah. After only two seasons? It was mine. Though. I loved them. Oh, anyway. Craig, Craig. Go back on uh, hiatus. Hiatus right after that conversation, right? Well, but he's, Jonesy's right. That book is good, and it's so good. I wish it was an ongoing. Yeah. It is really it's good. It's that good. What a show we just had. Just just tremendous. Mm-hmm. So we got to tap the brakes. And we're untapping uh, the brakes. <laughs> we're untapping. Oh, sorry, we're sorry. laying off the brakes. Uh, antonym for hiatus is happening. Whatever that's called. Someone get the Extended on, on that. happening. Uh, we have taken the chairs off the table. The lights are back on in the bar. Mm-hmm. Come on in. We'll, on. Uh, oh, so yeah. And then also you might, when you re- re-add our podcast, if you su- subscribe to it so you can get the new fancy logo, uh, and you might see something called the Paper Keg Radio Syndicate. You know? That's something that's something new. That's gonna be we're gonna ease into that, you know, like ease like the <laughs> like the KY jelly of podcast networks. Uh so stay tuned. That's our new tagline. Uh you know, curr- <laughs> currently we have we have a nice little stable of shows that will be appearing on papercake dot com. Right. Uh papercake being one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh what else do we have? What about the boys over in Paper Keg West? Paper Keg what? They're now? dead. They're actually. I know they've been off Twitter for a while. They, they died. They posted an episode in 2008, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're, they could be a part of some some big things happening. You know, they've 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 put on their own breaks right now. Uh, currently on the Paper Keg Radio Syndicate, uh, the Flap obviously will be joining. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week. I'm glad you guys decided that. Thank you for coming on board. 
<laughs> every week, Dale and I the will be talking okay. about yeah. his vasectomy. Every week. Every week. It um, gets, gets the downloads. It gets the the numbers. It does get the numbers. Uh, tech Smoke. <laughs> tech Smoke will be joining the Paper Keg Radio Syndicate. My wife and I do a show about tech news. Uh, spoiler, my wife knows nothing about tech news. There's There's rumors of another show joining the Umbrella Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, one pros, pro, one prostrate man, as he wheels into the gurney of life. Uh, there's there's just there's talk happening of another show, and I'm excited about it. Who knows? The future is bright. You know, if you're looking for some some good podcasts that aren't garbage, <laughs> you know, keep an eye out. You know. Yeah, yeah, we got big things happening, and I think uh, this has reinvigorated, re-energized. You know, great things, great things coming. You know, we'll start off slow. We're just going to ease it in. We'll have a safe word, you know, <laughs> and uh, we're going to get through this together. How terrible would paper keg be as a safe word? <laughs> like, is an actual safe word? Like, have to say paper keg? I'm grossed, Brutal. I'm grossed out right now. I'm officially grossed out. I'm not. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>